0: Welcome to Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Today we will introduce Pastor James Dimmel of part two in his series. Listen, there are four things that happened in Ezekiel. I'm only going to talk to you about one of them tonight. It's the first one. He sees separated bones that were very dry. If you have a pen and paper, I want you to write these down. Because I don't know what I'm going to teach the other three to you. There are four things that happen. One, he sees separate, separate, separated bones that were very dry. If they're dry, they're not being moistened with marrow. The lifeblood of the church is not flowing through them. His name is Jesus Christ. Two, he said the bones were scattered... If they're scattered, there's no continuity. There's no structure. Now, I've talked about this. I've talked to you about this before. The church needs structure, but sometimes the structure, the program overtakes the power of God. But I want you to understand there is no continuity in these bones. So the bones were scattered. That's number two. The third thing is the bones had no skin, no sinew, no flesh, and there was no blood pumping through them. Now watch this, I'm going to take you back a couple of weeks. If there's no skin, there's no capacity to breathe. Are you hearing me? I'm going to take you all the way back to Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Do you remember? Was you here that Sunday morning? And the earth was without form and what? Void. If there is a void... There's a lot of dimensions of things, but there's no capacity to fill them. Everything that God creates, He fills it. He creates a capacity so that He can fill it. Oh my goodness, I'm talking to you now. If there's no skin, if there's no sinew, if there's no flesh, if there's no blood, then there's no capacity for God to allow them to breathe. So they're dead, lifeless people. Have those people in the church. Spiritually, there's no sinew, there's no capacity for God to fill it. Listen, the word flesh is a soft substance of muscle and fibrotic tissue found in the body. The fourth thing I want you to understand, so I'm gonna go through them with you again. The fourth thing, they had no breath. Because lungs are formed out of the dimensions of Of the flesh. Because God always creates the dimensions of the capacity so he can fill it. Now I can go through that whole lesson in those three verses with you. But I don't have time. You should have been here is all I can tell you. Now that word breathe, listen. Breathe is the original text in the Greek. The translation is the word pneuma. It's where we get the Latin word that is translated to the English word pneumonia. Okay? It's a prefix. It means wind. By resemblance, a breath that is a sensational, violent, exacerbation. Now, I know you don't understand that, but I do completely. Figuratively meaning life that comes with an anger of sustainability. By extension a region... Of the sky that we would call air by spiritual understanding it is the spirit that is the expression and the function of Jesus Christ moving through us the original translation of the word means an extreme tornado a blast of anger of tempest or whirlwind so, picture them standing in the valley. I told you it was five miles wide by tw- almost 12 miles long, 4.7 by 11.4. Think about it. Everything, bone to bone. Listen, his finger, his thumb, didn't fly up and stick on his forehead. It went exactly where it was supposed to go. But then those life, that, that life laid there, and all they were was bone. And then the Bible tells us that the sinew, the skin, the flesh, the blood came upon them. Why? Because in order for them to stand up and be lively beings, then the Spirit of God had to fill the capacity of that skeleton with flesh. Not only did he fill it with flesh, the fourth thing is they needed to breathe. He said, oh, can they live? And then the Bible says that Ezekiel, I'm going to read it, it's Ezekiel 37, 7 through 10. I'm going to read it to you in a minute. He says, can they live? And he says, only you know, Lord. He says, speak to them. And then the Bible tells of a rapid whirlwind. Think of a tornado that comes crawling down the valley. And all of a sudden, these lifeless bones that have sinew that now look like you and I do, they begin to stand up. What am I telling you, church? We are living in the last days. We are living in a time when the church has been a skeletal Formation of what God wants them to be. And what He is doing is applying the flesh. He is applying the breath. He is creating the capacity for you to serve Him as a disciple so you can go into all the world and preach to every nation. Listen, they may not speak like you. They may not look like you. They may not act like you. We may be having dudes come in here with tattoos from head to toe with earrings in everything possible orifice but i'm telling you this when they come in i pray to the heavenly father that i don't catch anybody being mad to them because i will come unglued those are the people that we need to speak to and the church has pushed them to the side for too long we need to minister to those people we need a raging tornado of the breath of god to fill the capacity by where which we sat And we've waited for it for too long. We've been dead and we've been dry because we've been discombobulated and disconnected from the life-giving source tomorrow. Maybe I just need to preach this on Sunday morning. So I prophesied in verse 7 as I was commanded and I prophesied there was... A noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And I beheld the lo, the sinew, and the flesh came upon them, and a skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. You want to go back to Genesis for a minute? There was another group of people named Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that God spoke to them, and He created them from the dust of the ground. And listen, the Bible literally talks about Him creating a water substance, or the dew, to create mud. You don't believe me, I'm going to show you. I don't even have it in my notes, but let's just come along. This is family training hour. Let me train you on something. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night, and he called night. And even the morning and the evening and the morning were the first day let's jump on down i think it's to verse 27 if i remember correctly so god created man in his own image and in the image of god created he him male and female created he them verse one or chapter one verse 27 so he created man in his own image but verse 28 is where listen he he shows up again in the same form when when Ezekiel standing before a valley of dry bones and he never changes the way that he created anything. I'm going to say it to you again because I've got a lot to tell you and I've got a little bit of time. He never changes the way that he creates anything. So it's the same in Genesis as it is in Revelation. Why am I telling you that? Because these people that are coming to you that are saying, I self-identify as a fighter pilot, or I self-identify as a jet, or I self-identify as a woman, God never changed the way that He made anything. In the beginning when God created the heaven and the earth, it was all the way over in Ezekiel, and over almost 1600 years later, He created that plan just the same way those people just the same way. That army just the same way as he created Adam and Eve in the beginning. Now you can call me a bigot. You can call me a fruit loop. You can call me anything. But if the Bible is the truth then you declare it. And you may have to, listen you may get in trouble for declaring it. That's going to happen one day. But you got to understand what it is saying and you got to get a hold of it. So then 28, they're not breathing yet, church. They're not breathing. They're not alive. They are just man formed out of the dust of the ground. He gave them a skeleton and he put some flesh on them. He allowed blood to pump through them. It's almost as, my understanding is almost as if they're in a coma. There's no life. There's no life. And 28, then he downloads everything that they're going to be all the way through the end of the chapter. Listen, and God blessed them, and God said unto them. Well, how can he say unto them? I'm going to show you in a minute. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. But then in verse 29, he goes on. And God said, Behold, Robert, you don't have any of this. Don't even worry about it. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Now he is downloading into something that has no capacity to speak back to him. You don't realize this yet because you all think, Oh yeah, they're sitting there talking to him. No, they're not. They're just a thing. It's like a USB port. Right? They have no power without the computer. Am I on somebody's wavelength yet? And God saw, let's go to 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 28. I think it's 22. And the Lord calls... Let me help myself a little. 6 and 7. But there went up a mist. Remember we're talking about how God created them. But there went up a mist from the earth. And watered the whole face of the ground. Okay. He's creating a mud substance. Why does that matter? I'm going to show you in a minute. There went up a mist from the earth. And watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And manned. Became a living soul. Everything that they had done up until that moment. Was a dead lifeless body. But just like in Ezekiel. The Bible says that he allowed those dead dry bones to stand up. And they did live. Seven. And man became a living soul. So this God that we're talking about. This God that created the heaven and the earth. That did all this stuff. That created capacity for us to serve him. He spoke into this army of dead lifeless bones. And it got up and walked again. This God that we're talking about. He is so powerful that he does that in the beginning of the time. Then 1600 years later in Ezekiel. But he's not powerful enough to take your little sin. That you've been fighting with for 30 years. Well my wife doesn't know. I, I went to Florida. When I got to Florida, there was this guy that is very closely related to the pastor. He is like the pastor's right hand man, and he flat out tells me, I'm not saved. Say what? <laughs> come again, I, got, I had a rock in my ear when I was a little kid. I, I didn't come again. I'm not saved, he said. Now watch this. He goes to church every Sunday. He sits on the church pew, fourth row. The whole time I was there, he sat on the fourth row, right in the dead center, and he was smiling at me. So, Pastor, we're so excited that you're there. That was day one. By day three, he was telling me, I'm not saved. We went over to this yard sale while we were there, because they had, it was a chew company going out of business. We all go together. Guess who goes with me? Bubba. Because he went everywhere I went. And he's talking to me. And this guy comes out of the house and says, you know what? We've got all this beer in the house. We don't drink. Does anybody drink? He goes, I do. Again, I said, what? Oh, I'm legalistic, ain't I? Oh, you better believe it. And so he packs it all in the back of the car. I'm thinking, dear Heavenly Father, if we get pulled over, they're going to say the preacher. So I get to the church and I say, I mean, what kind, what kind of gumption do you got? You're with the evangelist and you're saying loaded in the car, right? So then he says to, his, to the lady that's with him, which is, is the pastor's wife, you'll never believe what I got. And then she looks at me and says, oh yeah, he's not saved. Okay. That's okay. Uh, what do you say? You say, let me tell you what I said. Okay. So then he says, don't tell my wife. And then he says, come on in my garage. And he had this old boat. Right? Now tell me if you haven't done stuff. It may not have been beer, fellas. But just tell me if this hasn't happened to you. He had this old boat. And that boat was a piece of junk. And it had a little bay that you climbed up in the ladder and got down in there and you opened the door and he had a running refrigerator in that. You know why? Because he had connected it through the hull of the boat into the thing so that he could hide it from his wife. And he said, look at this. He said, I made this little bench and I just sit in here and drink a little bit. My wife never knows. He said, I got some scope. He pulls it out for him and I'm in awe. Why? Why am I in awe? Does anybody know why? Let me just backtrack He's sitting in the house of God every Sunday. And he is not being transformed by the power of God. I don't care if he feeds every person in this country that needs food. I don't care if he clothes clothes every naked person that he can find. Because we have come to a church world that has no power, but they want to do good works because they think that that will get them to heaven. Are you hearing me? And it's not going to get him anywhere. And one day he's going to open his eyes. I pray to God in a church service and get saved. If not, he's going to open his eyes in hell. Who do you think is going to be accountable? He ain't sitting with the sinner, y'all. He's sitting with the saint. That brings me to the next point. Not every person that sits on the church pew is the saint. And it's our job to be able to distinguish the difference. Now, I can tell you why that pastor had him helping and doing all these things. Because the closer you keep them to you, hopefully they see your life one day and realize I've got to be like that. So don't miss my point. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.16 that I'm going to let you go. From the whole body being fitly joined together by every supporting ligament or joint, according to the effectual work in the measure of every part, making in, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Nowadays, if the church grows or if it doesn't grow, it's the pastor's fault. Hmm. But that's not biblical church. If the body grows, now watch me here. If the body grows, it's because the body helped the body grow. Because the body builds itself up. As each part of the body does its work. Now, here's our problem. This is why we have to understand what the Word of God is able to do. Because some people are out of joint. And the negligence of us being out of joint as a church world. I'm talking to leadership tonight. I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to leadership. The negligence that we have is causing people to go to hell. Because they're not able to fitly join into the body. You know why? Because the body is not growing on its own. Let me give you an example. It's the, if the doctor has a person that's in a car wreck and every bone in their body is broken, it's not just one doctor that takes care of them, is it? No. It's several doctors that take care of them. You know why? Because the one doctor is specifically set to mend the broken bone. The other doctor is supposed to take care of the flesh. The other doctor is supposed to take care of this. Well, that's what a leadership team is to do also. Because if the pastor tries to deal with every broken joint in the church, then the body is never going to flow the way that Jesus Christ wants it to. Therefore, you will never make disciples. Therefore, 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 therefore. Are you following me? So, we've been disconnected. We ask most Christians on the street... Well, how do you play out your church life? What is your purpose? You ever ask somebody that? What is your purpose? Now, I may be wrong, but if if you're a Christian, your purpose is Jesus Christ. Right? You you have to have a job because you have to be able to support the fact that you're a Christian. You have to have a job because you have to be able to support the fact that you have a family. But the what you are is a Christian agreed so therefore then you are connected to the body of Christ and you have specific things that God has told you to do in that body do you agree then what are you doing if everybody has a place in the body and it's the body's job to make the body grow then what are we doing Leadership session two. Brother Barr's gone. I'm back. What are we to do? If you first of all don't know your place, if you don't know that you're a Christian above anything in your life, then you can never be a disciple. So therefore, you don't understand your purpose. Therefore, you're never going to understand that everywhere you go, whatever you do, you are to be talking about Christ no matter what. Are you hearing me? Okay. Okay. Sarah, go ahead and come to the piano. When I say this, and I've taught this before, I get crazy looks from people. Because we don't know where we are in our lives. And we don't know what our purpose is. Because we haven't been fitly joined together. That's why I said I wouldn't get to three and four and five. I mean, that's another 12-hour sermon. You guys want to stay? Because we don't know what we're, we're doing. We don't understand our purpose. Well, you know, you ask some Christian, what's your purpose? I'll tell you, my purpose is to make $65,000 a year and to make sure my kid makes it to college. And he's going to have the best college. We're gonna, he's going to be a doctor. Just look at Jimmy. He's a good looking fellow, ain't he? He's going to be a doctor, y'all. That's not your purpose. That's not, that's, that's not the plan of God for your life. That is a means to no end. Because, listen, you're stocking up money, you're stocking up houses, you're stocking up cars, you're stocking up insurance, and one day you're going to die. And all the stuff you stocked up is not going to be worth a dime. As a matter of fact, your kids are going to fight over it. You know, the $4,000 car that has the bad fuel pump, they're going to fight over it. The tractor that you can't get to work right, they're going to fight over it. The house... God forbid you have more than one kid because they are going to fight over it. You're going to have one crazy child that's going to run in the house and they're going to take everything because they got to have it. This was mom's stuff. And then you're going to look on Facebook three days later and see that grandma's $300 table is on sale for five bucks on Facebook. Ask me because I know. I've been there. And you can choose to be upset Or you can choose to realize that none of that stuff has purpose. What has purpose? Linking together as one body. For one cause. One commitment. Under one current. Jesus Christ. Now it don't matter if you feel anything or not. Because Jesus Christ is here tonight. And he's speaking to some of you, not all of you. I wish he would speak to you all. But you have to understand leadership. You have to understand. Lay people in the church, you have to understand because this is how the unit of Christ grows. And we're almost to June of 2018. That's mid-year. We're almost there. My question to you is, how have you grown the body of Christ in the last six months? Not how did the pastor grow that the church? Not how did the leadership grow the church or the deacons grow the church or how much money the church is taking in, but how did you grow the church and it has nothing to do with finances? Because the way that we grow the church is by the person that you walk into and you see in your job every day that you hate with a passion one want to bust in the mouth, when you get them to church, you've done something major. The body has grown. Mm-hmm. Why would my pastor talk to me about this on a Wednesday night? Because in 2018, from June on, I want this church to explode. More importantly, Jesus Christ wants this church to explode and it has nothing to do with the pastor. I've always told you, I've always told you, Sarah, quit playing, you're in trouble. I always have told you that I am no different than you are. So what? i got a glass pulpit. It's not really glass anyway. We're not in a crystal cathedral. We're just everyday people. I work a job just like you do. I provide for my children just like you do. My wife provides for our children. She works a job just like you do. What we want to do is link hands with each and every person in this place. That way when we walk out of this place that we're walking into the community bound together with one cause. To build the body of Christ. To allow, listen, to be fitly joined together. Fitly. So that the morrow, the morrow is Jesus Christ. He penetrates from the finger bone. You know the first joint, John. Maybe you are, I don't know. Maybe you're the second joint. Maybe somebody over there is the thumb and somebody over here is the hand bone. Maybe one of you, is. do you know what this is medically called? A phalange. Maybe each person in this place is one finger. But what if we got everything together and we're missing our ears? We can't hear. What if we got everything together and we're missing the heart of the church? Then we can't penetrate the loss. What if you got everything together and you can't see you have no godly vision? Then you will never reach out to that broken person that is messed up right what if you can't smell the fragrance and aroma of Jesus Christ when it fills the place because that member is out of joint you ever been in a church where you know there's tension dude I'm telling you what from the moment you walk through the doors you're on eggshells and you didn't even do nothing right can I stand here? We're all a bunch of weirdos anyway, but when somebody's upset and we know it, we're worse. Why would we do that to ourselves, church? That's all I have to say to you is, why would we do that to ourselves? There's too much fighting. And listen, I, we have a great church. We have people that are pretty cohesive and God's just going to keep sending them in, sending them in, sending them in. But what happens when we get to the place where all these broken people are here and we don't have people that are jointly fit together to minister to them? I want you to get this, all the pastors rambling. I want you to get a hold of this because we're moving forward We're moving forward for the cause of Christ. Jesus loved you. That's why you're here. Do you understand that you're no better today than you were 15 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, 30 years ago? If you were to look at your lives with the sin applied to them, you are no better. I'm no better. Mark, you're no better. But there's this little thing called grace. And Jesus applied it to our life. And the Bible says that everything was cast in a sea of forgetfulness. Never to be remembered again. He doesn't see that when He sees you. He sees wholeness. He sees blessing. He sees the way that He meant you to be. But you have to walk in it. Everybody understand that? Everybody stand with me. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click Contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, broken, weak, and weary.